the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. If you were born in the 1940s and the 1950s, you'll remember when we ate breakfast cereal that there was a picture on the box of a special prize. You could have that prize if you cut out two box tops and mailed it to Kellogg's in Battle Creek, Michigan. It would take usually two weeks. Actually, it was usually longer to get the prize. It was a long wait. A few years later, the prizes came in the cereal boxes, but they were always at the bottom of the box. And my mother insisted that we not dig out the prize, but that we wait until we got to the bottom of the box. I found myself eating way too much cereal in those days. I also discovered that the bottom of the cereal box could also be opened, of course, by mistake. The waiting time was significantly cut, and I found a way to get the prize first. In the 1970s, you could take your film to a camera shop, and it would take three or four days to get your pictures back. You'd have to wait to see if they turned out okay. In the 1980s, you could take your pictures to the pharmacy, and in one hour, they'd be ready for you to see. Today, you can take a picture with your phone. Just snap a shot with your phone, and you can see it instantly. And if you don't like it, you can trash it and take another, also with the ability to see it on the top of that. You can crop it, change the contrast, adjust the brightness, and do all kinds of artsy things with the picture. We used to have to wait. We wait no more. Waiting is work. It is hard work. And step six is about waiting. Here is step six. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Please join me in praying the serenity prayer as we consider step six in our journey toward peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Let us pray. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as we would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if we surrender to your will so that we may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Understanding Step 6. I entitle this Lessons from a Farmer. Carolyn and I spent several wonderful years serving a church in the farming community of the Central Valley of California. That was more than 45 years ago now. But the memories of our farming families are strong to this day. A few summers ago, we spent a week on a 400-acre farm belonging to a friend of ours in New Brunswick, Canada. There are basic requirements for farming, essentials that are always necessary. The first, a a farmer plows the soil. With huge disks behind the tractor, the farmer puts the remains of last year's crop into the soil. 
This also aerates the soil, adding oxygen, which aids in the future growth of the seed that will be planted. Secondly, a farmer plants the seed. A new crop won't come without seeding. How this all happens is a bit mysterious. What I know for sure is that seeds in a bag won't grow. It's only as they are planted that growth comes. Third, a farmer harvests the crop. Having plowed and planted, the time comes to harvest. The wheat, the corn, the potatoes, the strawberries, whatever crop planted will first appear, then mature, and finally will be harvested. But fourth, there is something between the planting and the harvesting. There's considerable time after planting. What does a farmer do during this time? Oh, there's lots of work to be done, but for the plant, the farmer waits. The farmer has put the complete faith in the seed to do its work in the soil he has made ready. So the farmer waits. Step six is the waiting step. This is also true for us. If we have put our complete faith in God and have turned our will and our life over to him, then we must wait for his seed of life in us to work things out. Let me remind us at this point where we are in our steps taken towards serenity, our steps taken towards sobriety, our steps taken toward working out our salvation, our steps toward Christian maturity, our steps toward peace in the valley. First, we admitted powerless over, powerlessness over a life we could not manage. If our life was a farm, it is run down. It is unproductive. Second, we came to believe that God could restore us to health, to sanity. We recognize that there is a far better farmer than us. Third, we turned our life and our will over to God as we understood God. We asked God to be the farmer of our life. Fourth, we did a fearless and completely honest moral inventory of our life. We plowed our field, turning over the soil of our lives so God's seed might be able to grow. Fifth, we confessed our faults to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. We identified and verbally confessed those hidden things about us. We became completely honest and transparent. And now, in step six, we are waiting. We're waiting for God to make us ready for a transformation. We are waiting for God's work to fully make us into a healthy and productive farm, to stay with the same metaphor. So how do we work step six? We've certainly become aware of our condition. The inventory we have taken makes us fully aware of who we are and all that we've done. We've also admitted our need. That confession has opened the door for forgiveness and for help. In the future, we will ask God to remove our shortcomings and help us set things right. That's step seven. But for now, we wait. We wait for God to do some internal work in us. We need to be sensitive to the changes God is making on our inside, in our heart, how we feel, in our mind, how we think. 
The psalmist writes about this in Psalm 37, 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Note where this person is in the presence of the Lord. Proximity. Note what the person is doing, waiting patiently for him to act. Deference. Note what the psalmist tells the person not to do. Worry. Don't worry about evil people who prosper. Others will only distract us from who and what really matters. Another psalm takes stillness and gives attention to what we discover in our stillness. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Stillness gives us perspective. As we observe life around us, its balance, its beauty, its intricate delicacy, its tenacious resilience, we soon realize that God, who made it all, is very great. Greater than nations, greater than the earth, and certainly greater than any of us, including all of us, put together. Our waiting is not without purpose. Our waiting gives us time to really see. In the 1970s, Chuck Girard wrote a beautiful song that captures our wait. If you are able and have access to a computer, go to YouTube and in the search bar type Chuck Girard dash slow down and listen to the song. Both what is said and how it is presented is very powerful. Here are the lyrics. In the midst of my confusion, in the time of desperate need, when I'm thinking not too clearly, a gentle voice does intercede. Slow down. Slow down. Be still. Be still and wait on the Spirit of the Lord. Slow down and hear his voice and know that he is God. In the time of tribulation, when I'm feeling so unsure, when things are pressing in about me, comes a gentle voice, so still, so pure. Slow down. Slow down. Be still. Be still and wait on the Spirit of the Lord. Slow down and hear his voice and know that he is God and know that he is God. This waiting time for us, this stillness for us, is neither a waiting nor a stillness for God. God is active. And there are two specific things we can count on from God as we wait and as we are still. First, while we wait, God will provide the direction. God will reveal to us the way to go, showing us how to live. There may be times when God tells us ahead of time the direction we should take. For example, Jesus' life and teaching are predicted throughout the Old Testament. People were told and Jesus knew. 
I know in my life, God's call on my life to be a pastor was clear, and it was given long before I was prepared for anything like that. But there are other times when God just asks us to follow. He doesn't tell us the destination, the goal, anything. Just follow. For example, to Abraham, you're to leave home. He did not know where he was going. He did not know where his home would be. God did not tell me where I would be. He only told me that I was to be a pastor. The places have come when he called me anew to a location to be a pastor. And the places have changed when he called me away. Listen to God's promise about giving us direction as we wait. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We can count on God to provide direction. Our task is to wait for direction. And while we wait, God will not only provide the direction, God will also plant the desire of his heart in us. God puts his love into us. God puts his Holy Spirit into us. God puts in us the will to do his will, the desire to do his desire. Listen again to the scripture. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians 2, 13. So God is active while we are waiting. But while we wait, what do we do? First, I believe we are to be willing to take any action required as God provides direction and plants in us his will. When God says no, our job is to stop, to not go there, to not do whatever it is we are thinking or planning or actively doing at the moment. When God says yes, our job is to go, to move forward from the place where we are. Our job is to respond, to respond to God's leadership in our lives for the journey that we are on. But it's out of our stillness and waiting and God's direction and desire before we go or say or do anything. Again, an example from Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 15 through 21. God told them that he would bless them by giving them a son and from him offspring that would be too many to count. This is God's top line message to us in the Bible. God blesses us. God also told them that he would bless nations through them. This is the intended result of God's message for us in the Bible. We are to bless others. But Abraham and Sarah wouldn't wait for God to do what he said. They helped God along by finding another way to have a son. They botched things up very well, really well. They not only messed up God's plan, they ruined a relationship with Sarah's handmaid, and they created a family feud that continues to this day among all those who are their descendants. We're seeing it being carried out right now between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank and the Israeli population in what we call Israel. 
We are to be still. We are to wait. When God gives direction, we are to be willing to move with him. And while we wait, we also are to be humble and humble ourselves before God. Listen again to the Bible. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. James 4.10 Humility, listen carefully. Humility is not a self-contained character quality. I don't just be humble. Humility is a relational character quality. I am humble in relationship with another. And in this case, the relationship is with God. Note again the position in this verse. Before the Lord. The people are before the Lord. They are in the Lord's presence. I am humble with the Lord. I am humble as I face the Lord. I am humble as I wait for the Lord. The result is that only the Lord can lift me up. Humility by its very nature does not lift itself up. It requires another to lift us up. So, do I need step six? Well, I have defects of character which I've confessed. I need them to be surgically removed, and I can't do the operation myself. I have addictions from which I need deliverance. I have obsessions and impulsions and compulsions that need to be overcome. I believe but still need help in my life. I need God's help and work in my life. I will wait for him. I'm an approval seeker. Others have the agenda for what I do and who I am. Only God can help me to have his agenda for living, whatever others think. I'll wait for him. I'm a control addict. I manage everything and everyone. Only God can help me be a friend without an agenda, more relaxed in life. I'll wait for him. I'm a caregiver. And in part, caregiving can be a form of control but I don't take care of myself. Only God can help me become more realistic about my need to be healthy. I'll wait for him. I'm a chronic exaggerator, which are nice words for a liar. Only God can help me be honest about who I am and what I've done. I'll wait for him. I need step six because I need God to deal with my defects of character my habits, my addictions, my obsessions, my flaws, my sin. Am I ready? My readiness is based on taking the necessary steps to be open for God to work in me. I can be completely ready, but I must also be willing. And the space between readiness and willingness is usually filled with fear. I need God to remove my fear. Am I willing? You know, willingness is a state of mind and emotion that propels us into action. There are times I've been willing but not ready, and that is known as foolishness. Willingness is delightful. Readiness is essential. But now, I've worked step six. I've waited. God has given me direction and desire. I am ready and 
I am willing. Step six is about becoming both ready and willing. A poem entitled Broken Dreams captures step six. It's written by Loretta P. Burns, although some sources declare it's still anonymous. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried, How can you be so slow? My child, God said, what could I do? You never did let go. To be ready is to have let go of the control of our life, to let go to God. Now the question is, Am I willing for God to do whatever he wants with me? Am I willing for his surgery in my life? Am I? Are you? May it be so.